Michael Bonin, one and all, and welcome to The Literary Baptist, the show where uh, we get together and discuss classic literature from the perspective of confessional Baptists. The full fellowship is here tonight. Welcome, everyone. Hope everyone is well. What is up? So, so a lot um, of things are up. If you say the sky, I solemnly <laughs> swear. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was yeah. muted, but I was going to say the sky. Oh! <laughs> All right. I, I have solemnly sweared. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we just did a reading roundup last episode that our YouTube exclusive audience got to got to listen to because it was too long for us to put on the podcast feed. But uh, anybody got any really uh, exciting uh, books on the nightstand, so to speak, right now? I do. I am reading the Scarlet Pimpernel, which is so much fun. Um, you know, it's takes place in the French Revolution. I think boo. people have to. <laughs> yeah, boo! It's a what a I think terrible it's piece of history. French Revolution. It uh, does not portray the French Revolution um, in, in a Positively. in a great man positively at all. I think I'm pretty sure that the people around here had to read it for like high school or something because there were tons of books in the local like bookstores and stuff. So that's why I got it. And that's why I'm reading it. And it's pretty good. It's a really good book. Uh, it's not, you know, very, oh, you know, it's got a lot you have to think about. It's just fun. And that's, it's a fun book. And so I recommend it. So that's more of my speed then. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely your your speed. I don't have to read think it. About it. You mm. should read it. It's good. It's from 1905, so it's not even that old. You know, I don't remember if I read that one or not. I know I saw the. <laughs> there's a really old movie. Like, well, I mean, it, it would have just like come out classics or around something. the time you were old enough to read it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, like in the 50s or something. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you for for that yeah. not reading it yeah so it's it's a good book i recommend do think, it do you think it's lost readership in our times because of maybe the unfortunate title just unfortunate is then you don't know what it means yeah or or people thinking that that it's something other than it is <laughs> like a pimp yeah <laughs> okay um it's well first of all it's a flower um so uh and yeah i can see how people might think that it's about something else but it's especially it's high good schoolers you who it. don't know anything yeah yeah it's it's a it's a flower it's about a, it's not about a flower flowers involved but it's yeah. it's worth a read i i could see a, a you know a old old school southern pentecostal mom seeing that book come home and be like oh no you're not reading that in my house yeah sort of like harry potter but <laughs> the scarlet what <laughs> no yeah, that's I, not a life we a, condone. It's a flower, <laughs> and 
there there are people who are saving uh aristocrats what you from call the it. french mobs <laughs> that's the main the main story is about saving aristocrats from the french mobs in the french revolution which is a noble cause um pun intended there <clears throat> but, uh, but... <clears throat> so well it's done well done anybody else have any great great picks that they're obsessed with at the moment i'm not really obsessed with anything at the moment because i just started i uh, just started reading confessions Ooh. So, saint augustine slash augustine however you want to say that but i i just got through like the intro to my translation so i think i just started actually reading his words so pretty excited about that and then i'm reading a book on narration for charlotte mason by karen glass it's called uh, no and tell so that's pretty fun if you're Ooh. a homeschooler educator person or really anyone that's interested in reading and knowing and telling that is a stinking good title <laughs> yeah, no, no and tell yeah no it's pretty good um i'm enjoying it so far and then um i'm listening to an audiobook by i think her name is christine cohen or Kristen cohen and it's called the winter king hmm. and uh i think her stuff's like on uh canon press i don't know if i, hmm. I don't have canon press anymore but um, I'm enjoying it. She's she read it herself. It took me a little while to get into it, but the movie it's a little it's a little overly allegorical for my taste, but I'm still kind of enjoying the story. So it's just Fantasy kind of a fun. Genre. Yeah, it's a fun light read. And then our family we finished the second Wing Feather Saga book um, by Andrew Peterson on our road trip and that was a lot of fun and my youngest son liked it so much he decided to binge um the next two books of it and he pretty much lived a wing feather saga for like three days in a row so yeah he emerged from his room victorious and uh we've barred him from telling us anything (laughs) 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 do not speak a word but this family will remain unspoiled yeah now that's a really it's kind of a silly series when you first get into it because there's so much made up in his world um you know there's a lot a lot of words. it's almost very difficult to read aloud just because the words are so different like even the animals there's like all these clever little animal creatures that he has like diggles and uh, all kinds of stuff it's funny but it's really funny so very clever so i highly Super. recommend wing feather saga it up it's a little not dark but uh perilous so high stakes of, yeah lots of peril lots of real life type drama in a good way nice I've wondered if like, cause, um, I I know of I know of people that have struggled to find good, um, children's content that they can trust, 
whether books or shows or movies or things like that, that are going to be formative uh, in the faith for their kids. And um, I've wondered if we shouldn't try to do like a, some sort of roundup or something and make some recommendations because that seems to be something that's lacking in a lot of, a lot of corners. Yeah. I think it's lacking in general to some extent, but for just newer, not existing. Yeah. The older books I think are good. Um, yeah. But newer books, I do think it's probably a pretty small set. Um, uh, Maddie mentioning her family reads. I forgot about my family read, which was, we just finished the Tempest by William Shakespeare. Ooh. Old Bill. Okay. And it was fun. Uncle Bill. The kids, uh, you know, when bringing kids into like play parts, um, it, they enjoy reading Shakespeare. Um, and I remember like having to read Shakespeare in, in high school. And it was always like, I don't understand what he's saying, yeah. but when you have family members, like reading it aloud and, and taking different parts, it's, it's not difficult to understand mm -hmm. this much. It's not, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's I, like it was I, meant to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a similar vein, we're listening to the Odyssey um, during our school day. So that's, yeah, in a similar way, it's meant to be heard. You know, it's an epic poem. And yeah, it's pretty neat. I think there's something to be said for, uh, I think as parents, we can be a little like, our kids aren't ready for that. They're not going to understand it. Something like Shakespeare or something like the Odyssey. But I've really come to understand that it's okay to not understand a book uh, the first way through or a play the first way through. Uh, sometimes you just kind of got to enjoy the ride and then mm. revisit that. And I think that we can be um, too quick to give up if we just don't understand or feeling like you have to explain every word or define everything or, uh, you know, scaffold the book maybe too much. I think some visual helps, like the acting out of play is nice or the Odyssey just kind of having a visual of, you know, the maps or things like that. But with my own kids, they were familiar with this with the part of the Odyssey where he's on the island with the Cyclops. Like they had heard that part of it before. So that kind of stuck out. And like you could almost follow it more because you knew the story already. Mm -hmm. So I've I really like to introduce my kids, especially in reading aloud to them, because maybe just like making them sit down and read it on their own. If if they're not a an avid reader they would probably just feel like i hate this and you might put <laughs> a bad taste in their mouth but listening to it you know we we like to listen to it and then we get our sketchbooks out or watercolors or whatever and then you just kind of draw and it's a nice relaxing time and they actually ask like can we listen to the odyssey wow. so um you know, there's just ways that you can incorporate it. And it's not something that I make them like do any narration for. It's just like, just listen to it. Just be exposed mm -hmm. to it this first time as we go through it. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, as a great philosopher, once something said, I've picked up along the way. Oh, sorry. Sorry. There was a lag there. Oh, My apologies. As a great philosopher once said, sometimes 
in order to see the light, you have to touch the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Man. <laughs> the profundity. It's been it so long since I've seen that show. I literally the other day I I came this close to tweeting on our Twitter account. Uh, this is a public service announcement. The Rings of Power does not exist. <laughs> but I didn't want to speak for all four of us, so but I didn't post do. It. You could <laughs> generally speak for most. I think <laughs> in the is world in the world we want to live in, it does not exist. That was it. Was her brother? Was it her brother? Yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on his name, but Finrod. Yeah. Yep. That she carried his knife around the whole show and never used it. <laughs> Maybe she used it to swim. Well, to cut uh, through it, the waves. Yeah. Once she <laughs> swam through the sundering seas, it probably was rusted beyond all repair. Even an Elvish Smith couldn't couldn't fix that knife. <laughs> what in our chapter we're gonna discuss when they mention the Sundering Seas? I'm like, oh, Gladriel swimmed that bad boy. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's not that big. Gladriel. I didn't can swim notice it. the the knife thing, but it reminds me of I I, I forget. I think it's Chekhov maybe, but is is it Chekhov's, yeah, Chekhov's gun? gun. It's like if you have something that you've mentioned the gun on the table, it needs to be shot. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. uh like maybe yeah. that that knife should have been used. I don't remember the knife because it probably only it showed up. It kind of makes me want to have like a do like a social experiment where you like do that to somebody in a story and then just never use it and then drive them insane. <laughs> and like really <laughs> detailed description like, of why? the gun. Yeah, set yeah. them up well, for knowing it's there. a really significant thing, and then and then it's just boom. It never it never gets <laughs> talked about again. Just... And someone yeah. gets yeah. stabbed <laughs> with a butcher knife. <laughs> Somebody gets stabbed with a different knife in the story. <laughs> Subvert the, yeah, expectations. Ring of power would do. Man, that show is terrible. Terribly good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait Whatever. for season two. Oh, Whatever, Zatch. On pins and needles. I did and see. I, I need to know I, if uh, the elves die if they can't find their. What was it? Not Mithril. Is it Mithril? Yeah. No, it was yeah. Mithril. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's blacking it's so out. It's freaking mind. preposterous. That the key to the, the life of the elves, like, so. Silmaril light went into Mithril or something. Maybe Ungoliant like sucked the light out of the trees and then regurgitated it into the mountain and it became Mithril. <laughs> that makes Boom. sense. Origin. Origin story. Myth Mithril is just Ungoliant poop. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is kind of a web. It's a aged it's chains. That's chain mail. So it's there kind of web like. Maybe it's like. Maybe she got crushed in the mountain in her. Tracks. <laughs> I could be a writer for Rings of Power, guys. Man, you really could. 
bringing the big bucks. It might be a little bit more accurate. <laughs> That's a better theory than light dripped into some metal or whatever that was. <laughs> well, fortunately, we don't have to rely on that stupid show because we actually have the Silmarillion. And even though they didn't actually have the rights to the Silmarillion for the show, we can talk about it anytime we want. That's right. And so we will. Um, actually, it is kind of funny we got on the subject of Galadriel because uh, she does come up in the uh, in the chapters that we uh, are discussing tonight. So it's um, chapter nine of the Flight of the Noldor. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, the Darkening of Valinor first, and then. Chapter nine, the flight of the Noldor. I was gonna um, say I haven't read chapter nine yet, so <laughs> so we may not get there. You said we were only doing chapter eight, so I'm pretty sure we I'm pretty sure we were only gonna have time for chapter eight. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying on the vine already. It's yeah. ten o'clock in my world. Well, the rest of us live in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in the future. I live I live in the future. I'm looking out for you guys. I'm, I was I'm born in the future, future, but I moved to the past or the present. <laughs> what a Tolkienian concept, frankly. <laughs> it is the significance of the passage of time. You, you, yes, exactly. <laughs> Couldn't have said it any better myself. Nick, were you going to say that? Or I, I was, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but I had it written in red on my notes <laughs> so that I could remember to say it. <laughs> and it was relevant. I could have easily said it. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably the earliest it's ever been said, too. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. Really Check that off your bingo card. It's pretty significant. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So the trees. Yes. Trees. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. So um the whole thing about so the 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 chapter title is pretty ominous because kind of the mark the the feature of Valinor is the two trees that produce light that basically lights the entire world, essentially. Um and so the darkening of Valinor obviously is a, a very um, foreboding uh, chapter title. Um, and it starts off in a dark place uh, where we finally uh, we get introduced to, I think, is a really interesting character, even though we don't we don't see a ton of her. But Ungoliant, um, where she uh, where she lives. So Melkor. Uh, aka Morgoth um, is returning. Um, let's see. Uh, thereafter, the watch was redoubled along the northern fences of Amon because obviously, so uh, from our last chapters, Melkor has been let go um, from his captivity. People, other the other Valar spoke for him, gave him another chance, and and he's uh, only doubling down on his on his dark deeds. Uh, so thereafter, the watches redoubled along the northern fences of Amman, but to no purpose. For ere ever the pursuit set out, Melkor had turned back and in secrecy passed away far to the south. For he was yet as one of the Valar and could change his form 
or walk unclad as could his brethren, though that power he was soon to lose forever. And he goes to the dark region of Avatar, uh, and this is where Ungoliant lives. Secret and unknown. Now, Zach had a theory earlier. <laughs> yes. Avatar is Antarctica. That's it. That's you, the whole theory. You might be onto something because it's it's super south. Yeah. Um, and we don't know where once, once the the world is flat at this point. So once it becomes a globe later on in the story, it's very possible that that could be actually where and all the grinding ice that's mentioned too. Where mm -hmm. is there more grinding ice than in Antarctica? So, and it's unexplored. Un completely. Except for two little places where uh, people do the science. That's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> That's the what they science. say when they get on the plane to fly there. They all do like a group high five and they say, yes, do the science. <laughs> it's tradition. That would be epic. That would be pretty epic. I hope they really do that. I hope so. We went to an Antarctic center once when we were in New Zealand, and we got to ride in their little people mover vehicles. Oh, that's cool. I don't know what they call them. It was cool because I had uh, food poisoning from Subway, <laughs> so I was extra <laughs> nauseous. Nice. <laughs> Side note. Eat did not fresh. see any Ungoliant there. <laughs> uh, Antarctica. hard, though. Yeah. Should've Antarctica is the is the setting for one of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's greatest stories at the Mountains of Madness. It's incredible and very, very haunting. Anyway. Uh, I'm a Lovecraft that... appreciator. I read one of his stories and I liked it. Um... Cthulhu? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that like a Katy Perry song? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, what? it is. <laughs> I read an HP Lovecraft story and I liked it. Yeah, it's one of her classics. <laughs> oh, I am dead. <laughs> I said the in inside thing out loud. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> reading through the Silmarillion, Silmarillion this time I have noticed how little notice the the Valar take of the things that are going on around them it kind of just seems like they're just doing their own thing oblivious <laughs> so oblivious to every like all this is happening on their island mm -hmm. on their mm -hmm. continent it's not like he's, you know, off somewhere crazy somewhere else. He's like, he's just, he changes into a different form and walks around. He goes, and then they just happen to have this massive, well, I guess she becomes a spider. But they have this crazy woman thing that they don't even know where she came from, who's living on their island. It's kind of crazy how much they just hang out and do nothing on their own. I've already criticized uh, Manway for this, but now I'm criticizing all of them. They don't do anything. I, I think that they just don't have any real understanding of of evil, right? They don't 
they don't get it like what am what why do i need to watch out for something you know nothing we're not nothing evil. bad in them right like yeah they're just so they don't they don't get it they don't understand it there's no they they wouldn't see any reason to to keep watch i guess it's like with melkor like because oh he said he's good now you know <laughs> I, don't know. I mean they did send send somebody after him but it's it reminds me kind of and maybe it's a stretch but it reminds me kind of of like where angels uh long to look into salvation like they don't understand it but they long to look into it like it's almost like the complexity of the world is something that they don't understand because they're not they're not incarnated they're not really part of the world you know they're not in touch with what's going on and they really don't have fixes for anything um because they are they're they're the valar are a bit even though they're in they're they're in the world they're kind of divorced from it yeah they, they don't understand the darkness because they haven't touched it <laughs> so it's shameful Anyways, long story short, Melkor went in the other way. The Valar are apparently clueless and about to have a party. Yeah. Parties are fun. They're just going to festival <laughs> it up. I like parties. Uh, but when people are trying to attack you, like maybe be careful at a party. It it is interesting how he like sets the scene here. Like you've got Melkor sneaking in, they're all up there on their mountain, and you have the this kind of like you could tell it's kind of sketch like peace deal because Fanor comes, but he doesn't come in all his regalia. Mm-hmm. So he's not he's not being prideful, but he also doesn't let them see the Silmarils. Mm-hmm. Which, if you want to talk about, we could. But it's just well, he left him at home. It's very drama. Yeah, it's just a lot of drama. Like you have this, like kind of coming together, this peace treaty among half brothers. Everybody's gonna have a party, and then Milkor and his spider friends are about to uh, cut some trees. I want to I want to go back to know. the the reconciliation with the, the with the half brothers for a minute because uh, it really it shows so much about not only Feanor's character who kind of like kind of reluctantly makes up with Fingolfin um, and it and it shows the absolute incredible character of Fingolfin as just like a really honorable elf like he was the guy he got threatened with a sword by his half brother not that long ago. And instead, he comes in and says, "You know, we we might not. Uh, I don't have the quote in front of me. I'm going to butcher it probably, but like we're we we might only be half brothers by blood, but we're full blood full brothers by heart or something like that." Or he says, "Half brother in. and in blood, full brother in heart will I be. Thou shalt lead, and I will follow. May no new grief divide us." Yeah, which is just completely and utterly based. And I think that's awesome, even though and it's kind of funny because like he says that, but then the people 
the Noldor, the like there's a small Noldor faction that will follow uh um Feanor, but the v- majority of them uh, are still loyal to Fingolfin anyway. <laughs> and I would be too after after that. You know, just shows what what kind of character he's made of. And of course, obviously later in the book we'll see him do some pretty awesome stuff too, but at this moment he he does have a he had like what uh if if his uh if his character uh was a gem it would be a silverell <laughs> that's very nice i'm a, i'm a fingolfin stan he's full of light he really is well and it even says like the two trees like were both at light at the same time it was a very yeah, magical it, moment. Yeah, because they like wax and wane normally. Let's bring yep. some more depressing stuff into this. <laughs> um. Well, one, the next one quick page. Thing, one quick thing. We're talking about uh talking about light. There isn't it interesting? Uh, it, it occurred to me when I was rereading, um, talking about the work of Ungoliant and when they're on their way to to crash the party, um. It says a cloak of darkness she wove about them when Melkor and Ungoliant set forth, an unlight in which things seemed to be no more, in which eyes could not pierce, for it was void. Hmm. And I thought that and was then, super interesting. And and later it says something about the a darkness that seemed not lack, but a thing with being of its own. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the thing I, I I thought was really interesting about the description of the unlight and the darkness that follow is that it is given substance. It's not, it's not absence of light. It's not just the negation of, of something else. It's, it's like substance itself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she, Ungoliant even uh, when she's, she's sucking, <laughs> she sucks up the light she can find and spins it into dark nets of strangling gloom until light until no light more could come to her abode so she's taking light and she's twisting it into something that is like physical and mm-hmm. and it causes darkness mm-hmm. I, she's she's crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I, I wonder if I don't know if Tolkien, you know, really thought of evil in that kind of way. I know that people say, you know, oh, um, darkness is a privation of of light and evil is the privation of good. I'm pretty sure C.S. Lewis said that. I could be wrong on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wonder if he's kind of, you know, taking a little jab there at his boy and uh, and trying to say that evil does exist and is something like a substance almost of its own it Uh, is interesting reading too much into it but well i think i think that could be consistent with like tolkien's concept of that evil isn't creative it can only twist what has been made and so i wonder if that that darkness that has substance is is only that because she's taken light and instead of uncreating it she's twisting it and making it instead of it being light it becomes void um and that's why she's able to make stuff out of it because she's she actually has to take in that and convert it and twist it into her dark materials 
if anything, it's like the most extreme version of evil. Uh, it's like reprobate versus just depraved. Um, that line that you had read, Nick, where it says, in that hour was made a darkness that seemed not lack, but a thing with being of its own, for it was indeed made by malice out of light, and it had power to pierce the eye and to enter heart and mind and strangle the very will. Like, it is, Ooh. it's not just a pervasion of something. It is powerful, uh, something that's wielded mm-hmm. for evil. Um, and I, I think it's probably safe to say the great, like the gravest of sins are things that are done. Like when we use our power that should be for good, but for evil versus just not doing good. Um, I don't know. That kind of makes it seem a little mellow, Another interesting thing uh, that that uh, Ungoliant does too, so she turned she turned the, you know material into webs, um, but then also uh, at the moment that she begins to suck the sap out of the trees, says but Ungoliant sucked it up and going then from tree to tree, she set her black beak to their wounds till they were drained and the poison of death that was in her went into their tissues and withered them root branch and leaf and they died, but still she thirsted. And going to the wells of Varda, she drank them dry. But Ungoliant belched forth black vapors as she drank and swelled to a shape so vast and hideous that Melkor was afraid. So she's even able to take in the light of the trees uh, conveyed through their sap and even drank an entire well. And instead of, you know, making that into webs or something, she just breathes the black breath, uh, which is uh, a, a something that the ring race will do in the Lord of the Rings, uh, black vapors, black breath. I think there's a connection there, but even more than that actually uses the, the power of what she's just ingested to grow herself. So to make herself bigger and more imposing and more powerful. Um, so she can not only build infernal structures, but she can even increase her own, her own size and power using that. Which is probably something that Melkor would love to do uh, and doesn't have the ability to. Yeah, the fact that he's afraid, it's almost like it's its evil but unrestrained. Yeah. I mean, because even, even the most evil people have some level of morality, at least that they want to apply to them. Like Hitler didn't want he didn't want to be mm-hmm. gas chambered, mm-hmm. you know, like he had, you know, he applied morality to his area. He didn't want to yeah. be stolen from, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she def- definitely seems like it's just like an unrestrained darkness that even Melkor is afraid of, which is interesting. And to a certain degree, she doesn't have a nature to be consistent with, you know, like Val- the, the Vala, a Vala has a particular nature i mean they're part of a they're part of a a a regimented created order you know uh we don't really know what ungoliant is Uh, is she a twisted maya um is she some other type of creature Uh, we know she's not actually a spider she takes the form of a spider so she's some sort of spirit 
but it makes me wonder if if she's she's able to be more evil because she's less bound to some sort of nature or inherent role uh, that she has to play within the created order. She's maybe in some ways uh, an incarnation of chaos, the actual like um, concept of chaos. Instead of like in scripture where it's a serpent that that is uh, kind of the picture of chaos, maybe in this cosmology it's a spider instead. Maybe Tolkien didn't like spiders. I'm starting to think he he had a little bit of arachnophobia going on. Because she is yeah. flipping scary. I was really trying to find um, some sort of mythology or or story that maybe Tolkien would have pulled from, like a legend or something. But I didn't find anything really <laughs> significant. I mean, like the Greek, um, was it Arachne? Mm-hmm. She, she's, you know, the story is not parallel at all. Um, aside from there being a spider, mm-hmm. uh, there was the story that we that we found um, in Italy of the what is it tarantulism or something where supposedly these people thought that they were bit by a spider that made them dance uh, for days <laughs> at a time. But there's no dancing in this in this chapter, so I don't know. Uh, other than the Valar dancing at their party, right? but she didn't bite them. So I don't know. It's just like Tolkien really does not. I don't think he likes spiders. Yeah. Cause you get, you get Shelob then in, in Lord of the Rings and uh, she's referred to as a daughter of Ungoliant. And in the Hobbit, there are spiders as well. That's right. There yeah. are spiders in the Hobbit. In the forest. Yeah. So they're always in there. They're hanging out. And those are some of my least favorite parts of the story to read. Because um, they creep you like, out or are they not compelling? It, it's creepy. But it's like there's just such a maybe it's my claustrophobia <laughs> like being wrapped up in a <laughs> spider web. I don't know. It yeah. just sounds horrible. And it's like, I just want it to be over. That's whenever I encounter that part in his stories. I'm like, okay, get out of the spider web. Skip skip this chapter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I So another thing with, with Ungoliant, uh, and maybe part of Melkor's fear of her is his intentional lie uh, to her. Uh, I, I was like kind of it's kind of nail bitey when uh when he see he teams up with her and um she's she so initially uh Ungolian is kind of hesitant to go to to go to Amon because she doesn't want to face the the Valar and, and potentially pay some consequences for what they're about to do and so Melkor's trying to get her to go with him and uh so it says she was loath to dare uh, the perils of Amon and the power of the dreaded, the dreadful lords, and she would not stir from her hiding. Therefore, Melkor said to her, "Do as I bid, and if thou hunger still when all is done, then I will give thee whatsoever thy lust may demand. Yea, with both hands." Lightly he made this vow, as he ever did, and he laughed in his heart. Thus did the great thief set his lure for the lesser. <laughs> mm. 
which I thought was just such a bomb line. I love that. The great thief set his lure for the lesser. So good. I I was curious, and I didn't I didn't look it up at all. Um, where it says now it was a time of festival. I'm not aware of there being any sort of like festival calendar for for the Valar. Do, do any of you know of anything that would indicate why they would be having a festival, a time of festival? It, it actually it says that that um, it says that that they created seasons. Yavanna created uh, set times for the flowering and ripening of all things that grew in Valinor. So I think of that as being like. She's setting seasons. And then so, you know, with that, you have a harvest time. And so you have festival time. And so, I, and then it says that each first gathering of fruits, Manwe made a high feast of the praising of Eru. So, but, you know, I wrote in my little notes here, why? Why did you sit? Why do seasons? You know, I, yeah. Why not have, uh, why not um, let it be summer all year round? Yeah. I, I mean, right now, I'm not huge on summer all year round, but most of the year I am. <laughs> well, the I wondered. Seasons, the seasons yeah, help I... you. They help you understand, you know, the significance of the passage of time. Oh, hello. We got a two for this episode. This is shameful. <laughs> you should. I, I should get this every single time, and I can't. <laughs> we'll just next time one of us will just start it and then you finish okay yeah I'll significance do passage of time of <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what was your thought maddie did oh, you have just, a theory well i i noticed how they talked about time um and the music and i was just thinking how i'm trying so hard not to say this phrase again the significance of the passage of time, passage of time. but <laughs> there we go. it's but so perfect music, for like, this episode though it is especially that ashamed. paragraph um but with the music like how i don't know i felt like i was getting maybe a little too philosophical with this but music only works in the passage of time like you have like music needs time i don't know how else to say i'm really trying hard not to zach say how did you not pick up on that or... <laughs> this what? is zach's arena shame on but you but you can't you can't have it all at the You're same right. time like it has You're to right. go on it has to move forward through time yeah. so i just i saw that part where if it happens um, all at the same time, it's jazz. Yeah. How Thank dare you, Nick. Sir. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> so that's the significance of time in this passage. <laughs> that's bonus points. <laughs> A plus on the alternate. Bingo. That's good. I I've developed I a, a a wacky little theory, especially with the fact that they mentioned that um, Laurelin and Telperion were both uh, um, at this moment they were both uh, 
at their equal light before passing on to the other. I wondered if they were having what would come to be known as a Midsummer's Eve party. <laughs> uh where uh where where you're celebrating the longest day of the year. Yeah. There'd be, be plenty of time for dancing. And of course, you know, mid Midsummer's Eve is a really important, especially for ancient ancient peoples, ancient agrarian societies. You kind of build your whole calendar around the longest day of the year, the the summer equinox. So I don't know, just it just put that in mind for me, especially talking about seasons changing and things like that. Um, okay, pagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading and listening to a lot of stuff about the ancient pagan world. So, <laughs> and serpent it mounds. It is interesting how like festivals and all of that are just intrinsic to humanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're, um, we're, we're created to mark time. Yeah. You know? And so we celebrate particular, what seem like important times of the year, the longest day, the shortest day, um, September 11th, the date of the birth of Christ. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's another rabbit hole I've I've gone down recently. That's interesting. Not saying that I agree, but there are people who say that and have reasons for why they say that, which is intriguing to, to listen to. It is interesting, too, though, because when, when we lived in Okinawa, we were a little bit above the equator. But that was a very unique experience going from having four seasons to living somewhere where it was like the same season with like a slightly warmer part of the season with <laughs> and a slightly cooler part of the season. But that was interesting just like having Christmas, especially, you know, because we, at least in the nor northern hemisphere where most of the world lives, mm -hmm. uh, experiences winter during the christmas season and uh we definitely did not yeah and that was interesting i grew up in south florida so <laughs> <laughs> i did doesn't really matter all of the years pretty much the same it's not i mean it is it does get colder but i mean there are hurricanes <laughs> yeah hurricanes are fun yeah well, your little September theory then could be good for those Australians mm -hmm. who want to uh, experience a little winter for mm -hmm. their nativity mm -hmm. celebrations. Yep. yep. Australia is not real. I think Ungoliant runs Australia. Have you seen some of those monstrosities down there in the bush? <laughs> yes. Oh, my word. Absolutely. Going back to time, I have a thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is, I, I'm trying to think how to say this really well, but so you won't. You mentioned the pagans and them, you know, and their, their midsummers, uh, things their serpent mounds that, and their magic. Yeah. Well, their time, the, the festivals and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you think of, the the law in the old testament there were festivals and and you know seasons of of uh different holidays basically but i think since then and i i 
I can't think of where that verse is, but about, you know, celebrating uh, Sabbaths and moons and stuff. I think that's part of the reason why. But uh, there's the been New Testament? a movement. Yeah, there's been a movement within Christianity to kind of get rid of holidays. Um, I know, obviously, the Jehovah's Witnesses, not saying they're within Christianity. Thank you. But not. they pretend to be. They yeah. pretend to be. And, uh, and they're, they they're have... the dingleberry <laughs> hanging on to the visible church. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> correct. Uh, but, but there's, there's a movement tr to try to downplay a holidays. <laughs> well, my point was, <laughs> I, I, I wonder why there is that, um, that kind of impulse to try to get rid of of holidays mm. um i know that there's that one verse that i think people tend to take um and then you could also argue in terms of like church holidays you could probably do the um regulative principle and toss things out uh but i could start on seems... a whole rant about this right now yeah well, I mean, it's not prohibiting celebrating a holiday. It's prohibiting people from judging you for celebrating a holiday or not celebrating yeah. a holiday. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And the and the reformers like, yeah, I could go on. But just because we'll say just just like how people don't understand what solo script tour really is, people also mm -hmm. just don't understand how to read the Bible. <laughs> That's true. But like even Calvin's perspective, he had like nativity sermons mm -hmm. uh, but people will use calvin to say oh he was against christmas but he was against the way the church mandated um yeah your participation right. in church uh mass and various things throughout throughout the week or the year mm -hmm. saints days and all of that this is why um, he should have been a baptist he would have gotten that message out a lot easier yeah Just given time <laughs> he would have drowned he would have drowned himself Probably. He's a Baptist now. He would have just that. jumped off a bridge. He yeah. burned Servetus, but he would have drowned himself. I think maybe what are, what are these? Colossians, Sons of Feanor? <laughs> Colossians 2.16, Nick. That sounds right. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Colossians. Which is quoting Old Testament re references to the feast days, not like yeah. your Leviticus twenty three, Sabbath, yeah, but yeah, it's it is interesting that you know what is it in the creation account that the stars were made for setting times and and seasons, mm -hmm. and there is absolutely a place for that. God mm -hmm. obviously set up certain festivals for typological purposes as mm -hmm. well as remembering what god has done and that's why i don't have any problem with celebrating at christmas maybe how you celebrate christmas uh yeah you know doesn't remind you at all of anything christ has done but um but i don't think there's anything wrong in celebrating uh your independence day or or other holidays i think and there's just something so neat i love like with the hobbit especially when they do like their birthdays and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. there's just something so neat about 
the social aspect of mm-hmm. cheer and like no jolly to go hang out at the party tree yeah like the feasting like getting together and feasting somebody pointed out um we've been on kind of like a health kick and we're trying to eat better foods and stuff but they pointed out that historically like people didn't eat generally eat meat very often it was usually um like a specialty food item for Mm -hmm. festivals and stuff you know you didn't always have farmed meat yeah at your door so i don't know there's just a there's something interesting there and we can't be we should be meal am i rightly that that post meal meet every meal right (laughs) oh dear (laughs) high cholesterol high cholesterol is part of your post meal (laughs) (laughs) we eat meat and we drink uh beef tallow (laughs) Mm. Mm. all day every day get you some love that stuff Yeah, we could be. We should be careful with you know getting mixed up in pagan stuff for sure. But the festival itself is not pagan. Yeah, you can't let the misuse of a good thing God's given keep you from from engaging in the good thing that God's given. Right. Yep. That's mm-hmm. why, like, astronomy is a great science. And astrology is a perversion of the knowledge that has come from that worthwhile study, for example. Um, But just because astrologers do stupid stuff that has to do with stars doesn't mean that, uh, one, the movement of of the stars um, is meaningless, and two, uh, it doesn't bar us from learning more about that in – and using that information that God has given through natural revelation. Spoken like a true Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, excuse me. I'm a Capricorn. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea what they even try to pretend those things mean. What a Taurus thing to say. (laughs) I think that's what I'm supposed to actually be. (laughs) Oh, really? I didn't even, I didn't even know. It doesn't, but it, it doesn't matter. So dumb. What how how does what sign was above you when you were born have any effect on you as a person? They those things are like never right about me ever. Yeah. I haven't read a horoscope in since I was in high school and my friend would be like, check it out. Mm-hmm. Like or like if you have a boyfriend, they like pair you with like, oh, you oh. can't date a Sagittarius. Because yeah. da, 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 I'm like whatever, whatever. It's kind of become popular. That matters were the one that the Chinese restaurants. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> the only ones that mattered. The 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 stupid astrology kind of stuff has kind of actually come back pretty strongly oh, yeah. in the past five years or so. Big time, big time. Um, Probably all those most... witches trying to drink their moon water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, charging up their crystals, burying them in the yard to soak up the Earth's oh, energy. Geez before they put it on a pendant uh in in the pendant has to like the crystal has to rest against your heart in order to boost your chakra or something i can't remember that sounds legit yeah (laughs) yep or like there were uh there was a a thing for a while of like mothers of teething children giving them amber beads to chew on Mm. because it would promote like good energy and and 
something. I forget. And we're like, uh, no, I, they're, they're going like, to bite that. They're going to choke on that thing or swallow it. Hurt themselves. It was like, well, it's been a while since I've had little children. But when my babies were little and they teed, like you can get the amber necklaces. I had oh, no idea. And yeah. I looked into getting them, but I was too nervous about having something around my baby's neck. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I didn't. I still, this is the first time I'm even thinking of it as association with like new age stuff. I don't know if mm-hmm. it is or not. Um, but I don't know. Super weird. Effect. Hopefully none of the Valar here wearing amber necklaces. Maybe the Silmarils <laughs> had like some sort of vibrations energy. Their frequency. Yes, their frequency. Vibrating at the right Got frequency. Yeah, Zach, you seem to know a lot about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, man. (laughs) Yep. It's all in those Mormon books you read. Yeah, my chakras are aligned and third eye opened or something. I don't know. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, you maybe maybe just be careful. Take Maddie's uh, advice and maybe not do pagan things. <laughs> yeah, don't do pagan things. All right, don't do pagan things. There we go. That's just it's settled. solid advice. <laughs> Yoga is the devil. Yes. Yes, it is. But unlike foosball, unlike foosball, it actually is not something that you should play. Anyways. Foosball is good. Um, Why did foosball get brought in? Um, I'm assuming you've never seen Water Boy. The devil. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Us Southerners know what <laughs> I'm talking Mama about. Said, said, oh. <laughs> I oh, forgot dear. about that movie completely. <laughs> Man, that's some high quality H2O. Wow. You should do that voice every episode sometime. Just like sneak it in somehow. That was great. You have to do that. My mama said. My mama said. My mama said said that football is the devil. You sound just Uh, like Adam Sandler. For real. Thank you. I do enjoy some Adam Sandler. It is his spiritual gift. I bet you he got that on his spiritual gift testing yes yeah i was real high on adam sandler impersonation <laughs> uh i want to uh, i want to go back to to crapping on monway for a bit uh i want to read a paragraph from from the end of the chapter so after all the carnage has happened uh things are terrible um everyone is very sad the trees are drained of all their light um i thought it was in this chapter but uh nienna comes in and cries and waters stuff with her tears anyway i think it's in the next chapter um but so it says but so there's silence in valinor no sound could be heard save only from afar there came on the wind uh through the pass of the mountains the wailing of the teleri um the elves that like to sail in ships um that's who the teleri are like the cold cry of gulls, for it blew chill from the east in that hour, and the vast shadows of the sea were rolled against the walls of the shore. 
But Monway, from his high seat, looked out, and his eyes alone pierced through the night until they saw a darkness with a capital D, a darkness beyond dark, which they could not penetrate, huge but far away, moving now northward with great speed, and he knew that Melkor had come and gone. And I'm like, why didn't you know where he was before? <laughs> you know he's gone. Why couldn't you have used all this site to, like, find him or track him or whatever? No, he just sits on his high seat up there on the top of Tiniquatil and just doesn't pay attention to anything. Eh, it's dark. Yeah, right. He's one of the wealthy 1%. <laughs> he can sit in his touch. mansion up on the mountain and not be close yeah. to any of the little people. Yeah. Wow. Well, Probably a colonizer. Well, the dark was so dark um that uh, I'm not even gonna finish it. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Like he'd have to he'd have to touch it in order to see through it and see the light. <laughs> no, I hate myself. <laughs> That's the second time you've done this today, Lee. Yeah, you touched Lee's the darkness hate, twice. Yeah, he, he's gonna hate it so much that he likes it now. <laughs> Reverse psychology myself. It's a no, double negative yeah. now. What I'm gonna hate is going back and editing this episode. That's what I'm gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> to cut out all your darkness references yes exactly um i did i liked uh i liked this descriptor uh and then in the next paragraph the earth shook beneath the horses uh of the host of orome and the fire that was stricken from the hooves of nahar was the first light that returned to valinor what a good line that was pretty epic the heart got to that. light up the light up the island. Loved it. I also loved prior to that episode that literally their music stopped and there was like silence. That was cool. They were all like, I don't know, I could just totally visualize yeah. it. Like literally music stops. Mm -hmm. Records enter crash. all yeah. <laughs> enter all the memes and the gifts. No gifs though. No gifs. We don't use Just gifs. I'm gifs. I'm team oh. gifs, and I always will be. He's a choosy mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with saying gif. Anyways, music stops. Like they're all having a good old time, and then all of a sudden it's just silence. But yes, I love that scene, and I love Nahar. And his thundering flamey hooves. You can hear just like thunderstruck playing. Uh, and I also felt really, really a little bad bit of like Ragnarok. Class. Oh yeah. Except for it's like a big dog, but yeah. Anyways, um, Tulkas was as one caught in a black net at night, and he stood powerless and beat the air in vain. But when the darkness had passed, it was too late. Melkor had gone whither he would, and his vengeance was achieved. Mm. Bad guys win. Everybody go home. 
bad guys win. Yeah, and he he had only just won. This was only the, his first victory. Uh, we'll we'll get to see his next victory in in the next chapter. Spoiler alert. Well, any uh, any any closing thoughts? Any big takeaways? If you're having a party, keep your eyes peeled. Have somebody watch the door. Yeah, you need a bouncer at those things. Yeah. If only there was a bouncer. Toolcost should have been the bouncer. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know you don't want to keep him from the party either, because I assume probably he's the life of the party. Yeah, he was probably in his cups. <laughs> I love that term, by the way. I love that term. Ugh. He's in his cups again. If you're uh, hunting Melkor and you think he goes north, uh, go south. What's the thing from The Office? Uh, I think about what an idiot would do, and then I do the opposite of that thing. <laughs> yeah, do not do that thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I do not do that thing. <laughs> it's a great philosophy. Who would be a good bouncer at a at a Valar party? All the Valar get to dance. Focus. No, you gotta you gotta dump that onto the Myar. <clears throat> be Amanda, yeah, I, I agree. Get off, get off. <laughs> He'd be Old pretty wizards. boss. Yeah, Amanda's you cannot pass. Doom on everybody. <laughs> if Thou only there were some me. eagles. Oh, right. Here we go. Who could be watching? You know, from a high. Frankly, you get a junior eagle and you stick him at the at the gateway to to the uh, the green the Azelohar. Um, I mean that'd be pretty imposing. I wouldn't want to get picked uh, pecked at by that guy. Mm-mm. Especially as a spider. Yeah, yeah. The natural enemy of of the spider. <laughs> the eagle. Yeah. <laughs> Heard it here, folks. Food chain. <laughs> it's the food chain. Yeah, uh, don't get caught celebrating up on a mountain. I don't know. Good. Don't get caught celebrating on a mountain. <laughs> I'm just trying really hard not to think another If you're going to get caught not... celebrating, <laughs> make sure it's in a valley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just full of or a lot a of deep takes or in a plane. Yeah, they're it's... flying high on a G6. Wow. I think I think I'm having like an Alzheimer's episode where I'm going back to like 2006. Yeah, you've got millennial dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Like every song I could think of is something I heard in 2006. That was a great year for music. Yeah, it's a good time. Oh, <laughs> we it, should bring uh, back the the mid 2000s. Yeah, <laughs> just bring it back. Yes, we should. Uh, flying high on a G6. T- t-shirts and in neckties. Mm-hmm. Chuck Chuck Taylor All Stars. Your popped collars. 
Oh yeah. I never had I never had the double polo with, with the inside collar pop. Oh yep. man, that was so stupid. Oh, I want to <laughs> do that. The, Tucking are... just the front of your shirt in. Yep. Yeah, you wearing, gotta you gotta show that belt buckle. Wearing flip flops without socks. Weird. What? <laughs> Did that Japan one might be a little wear different. off on you? <laughs> All the kids these days are wearing socks with their sandals on. I'm like, that was oh, nerdy true. when I was a kid. What are yeah. you doing? But now you're a nerd if you walk around with your toes hanging out. You need your socks on and your Crocs. That was like the oh. ultimate. Like if you had Crocs, you were a nerd. And then if you wear hmm. socks with your Crocs or Birkenstocks, I'm rhyming this. You should write this yes. down for your poetry. <laughs> Sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> socks I do and I'll put you Birkenstocks. In the stocks. Put you in the stocks. I, I wear socks and stocks, and I don't care who knows it. I've got and a everybody in my just, pocket. And everybody just mocks and mocks. <laughs> this could be your Jabberwocky, Maddie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Now they're wearing their socks and Crocs while on TikToks. <laughs> uh, wow. And everybody just sucks. This is yep. going places. I am a lyrical genius. Yeah. <laughs> just remember, remember drop my name. A beat. Yeah, really. We yeah, we need a sick beat now. <laughs> Maddie's about to freestyle. <laughs> Bars. That is something. <laughs> Absolutely not. But yes, now I have Blake Shelton mixed in with my uh Orome vibes. <laughs> and nice. uh, apparently Monway is flying high on a G6 while Melkor. <laughs> You can cut all this out. I'm good. Mel Melkor's in My Chemical Romance. That's exactly what he's he, doing. He, you know, you got a point. Join the Black Parade with the the little hairdo thing. Mm -hmm. I, I I honestly like uh, at times I have actually pictured him in my mind as like a gi <laughs> a gigantic uh, um, uh, Gerard Way, the lead singer. You know who I'm talking about? Super emo. Yes. Yeah, super emo. Like he already looks like he's kind of dead. <laughs> just, just put a big iron crown on his head with three jewels in it. He's, he's Morgoth. You know, I've never pictured him with a face before, so that's helpful. Really? Yeah. What are you Amish? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever she's reading a book, she never. She never imagines anyone, any characters having faces unless they're described. I think, I think that's the result of a mental condition. No, that's creepy. I yeah. think you're, I, I think you're, maybe it's because he's like, maybe he's like Voldemort in my mind. He just like doesn't have a face. He, he doesn't have a nose. Person like Charles Dickens writes that some character has a nose. She's like, oh, he has a nose. <laughs> he's got a face. The one character in the book that has a nose. <laughs> What if that's significant? <laughs> Honestly, I think really if I picture Melkor, he looks like the guy that plays um Wormtongue. 
No. That's who was also in, in uh, David Lynch's Dune uh, mm. and was in a couple episodes of The X-Files. Fair enough. The dude's cool. I see you're a fan of his work. Yeah, oh, yeah. Big fan. He always plays a, he plays a great creep. He and, he and Steve Buscemi are at a level, really, truly in my mind. Because <laughs> old Steve, he can play a creep. Yeah. It's true. He was, he was the best character in Con Air. I see you all have, haven't watched the greatest movie in American cinema. I don't know how you could say that about Nicolas Cage. He beat Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no. He did. There's not a better actor. Than uh, name name me one actor in that movie who who could sing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands while the plane is crashing. The, oh, no I other, definitely don't want to see that movie. No other actor in that movie could handle that task. So my problem as a woman with a movie called Con Air <laughs> is that our, I know where you're going. You play this our, out. This is going to be hilarious. Our hair dryers. <laughs> are, yes. Con Air. <laughs> That's a different you, movie. You don't know the entire story <laughs> takes place inside a gigantic hair dryer. They're trying to escape before it gets too hot in there. <laughs> like hairspray, like a scene of hairspray. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Machete was in that movie too, Conair. Yes. Machete. It's been a long all time. right. Well, thank you all for a, a scintillating conversation as usual. Uh, and uh, until next time, may Monway keep you in the one and peace out. Yeah, you just that, lead off with that. That'll be our segue into. Well, you talk uh, about what we're reading, and then we can get into the half page of the Silmarillion that <laughs> I have notes on, and how we're not colonizers. Right. Yeah. You are. That's gonna be like the very first thing of the episode. <laughs> we're not colonizers. Hello, everybody. <laughs> my govanin one and all to, to the free peoples of middle earth and colonizers alike <laughs> especially anyway, the colonizers especially the colonizers <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs>